0: came up with a really fun question after I found out that we were all from Ohio which is like the world is small but it is increasingly
1: shrinking <laughs> like it is told us, so so I think we all
0: said like we've met people in a totally separate environment that were from Ohio so mm-hmm. my question for us all to think about is what are like the indicators that you immediately recognize you're from Ohio aren't you what what are the questions or like the mannerisms I will get started. If people know what Buckeyes are, like the
1: candy, mm-hmm. I'm like, you're from Ohio. <laughs> Mine is Ope. And, oh, that's my gosh, such a
0: Midwest thing. And, and oh Pop. My
1: gosh. You know. Oh, or, Soda. Or if someone has like a panic attack when you ask them to choose between the Browns or the Bengals.
2: Well, I'll say that I actually grew up part-time in Florida and there are a couple of things that I brought with me there that people thought was very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one of them being pop. Yeah. they they call it soda. Um, another one being suckers. They call them lo- like lollipops, not suckers. Yeah, sucker, but okay. That, that's a Midwest thing. That's what I said. I'm like, what the hell is a lollipop? What are you What are you
1: doing? You're sucking on it. It's a sucker.
2: Yeah, pop, go yeah. pop. It's same science. Thing with like <laughs> same thing with like sneakers. Like when I think of sneakers, it's like any type of tennis shoe. It's just a sneaker. Mm-hmm. Um, for them sneakers, for for a lot of people, sneakers are like specifically vans or you know oh, like skateboard
0: shoes or
2: like sneakers yeah Ooh. and then the other thing apparently ohioans say bagels weird
0: bagels bagel it's <laughs> like
2: how, a they, how they say it ba- <laughs> bagels 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 bagels, bagels.
1: ohio people do say bagel <laughs> Bagel. bagel yeah i've never met anyone who's like bagel? Me. so i'm from like southwest ohio we may as well live in Kentucky, like northern kentucky yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> okay so there's not much hannah definitely i've noticed has more of an accent because she's from up near like Toledo, Cleveland Toledo area whatever it's like well it
0: was really far from Cleveland I just want to but they're both north to me
1: so to like, yes. I, I, whatever you're you're up in that
0: I'm corner I'm from the northeast I'm from near Cleveland and if I speak to someone from that area my A's get really long it's a really terrible accent to have but it's like
1: Hi, do you guys like basketball? Oh, goodness. Like, <laughs> i like, Wisconsin. Like, so I don't I know acted. what region you're from, but like it, down near where Cincinnati is and stuff, the accent's just not as strong. So
2: mm-hmm. I'm from Columbus. I don't think so. so.
1: Okay, that's like an hour from me. I'm from Troy. So,
2: right. So I feel like Columbus doesn't have anything. Um, they have <laughs> a really
1: good shopping mall. <laughs>
2: Polaris yeah, I mean, is there. like anything about us as a person, mm-hmm. like we don't have accents. You, you wouldn't really know. I mean, personally, I feel like you just know if somebody's from Ohio if you call out into a crowd, oh, and anybody responds, <laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: or at least
2: from the Midwest,
1: right? That's a classic opener of mine when someone is either a Michigan fan on a dating profile or has like from insert Ohio city here. I always start with oh, because I'm like, let's see where you fall. I just it's don't so- know how many of us
0: got out when there's so many people that are still there so I'm like it's like finding it's like the 100 wasn't that the show that like they're finding all these people all the time it's it's like that finding people that are from Ohio wherever you go
2: well it's funny because when I moved to Florida People could not differentiate between Ohio and Idaho. Like, literally, when I moved, people were like, Oh, the potato state. And I was like, we're Literally, no.
1: And I'm like, <laughs> Corn. It's not. It's not. It's corn. Yeah. I'm we like, do have a lot of corn it's the wrong. Yeah. It's corn. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Thank you for your and, time. Um, wrong starts. <laughs> I have friends that come visit and they, they're like, Ohio so beautiful. There's so much to do here. They would send me TikToks of thing that, things that they wanted to do and they visited. And one of them was those um, cornfields that have the, like statue corn where it's like just a field of fake statue corn and i'm like why is this like a wonder of the world to you this is so strange it's
1: <laughs> so weird i always think cedar point yeah um, Hocking Hills, rock and roll hall of fame mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's a hard stop for me maybe the air force museum because i will go to my grave saying that ohio is first in flight
0: mm, you
2: yeah. really don't think of hawking hills like for me that that's the biggest thing
0: no I don't even think I've
2: been <laughs> <Me laughs> there <laughs> oh sorry we're not true Ohioans I like I there well I mean listen it's pretty close to Athens and that's where I went to college mm. so it was like oh, a 45 no. minute drive makes sense but I just thought it was kind of a known thing like everybody I've heard there, of it I've just
1: never been there I mean
2: I thought everybody knew what Cedar Point was and then no. I moved out here to LA and they're Nobody like knows. yeah they have
1: a that's thousand weird. amusement
2: parks I mean, yeah. I, everyone knows Six in,
1: flags, right? Because it's like a household name. But Cedar yeah. Point is like chain. Yeah. But Cedar yeah. Point is in and of itself and also has some of the most famous roller coasters in the country. So that's always so weird yeah. to me.
0: But in Plenty Disney Ford, Zone, yeah.
1: there's no yeah. way mm, that that's they true. Say you have anything Disney. about
0: Cedar Point. Like yeah. everything is
1: Disney, all of the above.
2: Disney, actually, Universal. Yeah. Disney. Same with, yep,
1: Florida and California are definitely going to be like that. Everywhere else, though, yep. people <laughs> seem to know what Cedar Point is. Yeah. Yeah. I will
0: say Disney has slid into mine and my husband's DMs and it's not fair because we made the executive decision that like we were over the top like extra spending way too much money on all of the streaming platforms that we had because we have Netflix we have Prime we have Disney plus like so many things right and we looked at each other and we're like we've seen the live action Mulan we've watched all of the Marvel movies again pretty much done with disney plus so we got rid of it and then this month there's like a couple of emails that have come in that's like hey the loki movie's coming out hey just so you know there's like a couple new series and i'm like disney stop sliding into my dms stop but trying you- to after- get me
1: <laughs> did you watch the roger and hammerstein cinderella while you were there
0: uh it was after we left so Disney and I had already parted ways in terms of my streaming. I love that movie. I love the Brandy Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. It is a iconic.
1: The first, the first black princess was Brandy as Cinderella. Yeah, Yeah, she stood the test of time. I will
2: say, I will say, I'm more of a in in my general life, mm. I'm more of like a dark feature type of person. So I was growing up, I was really into like, um, Alice in Wonderland mm. because Tim which Burton. I know is like Tim Burton. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. I love <laughs> Tim Burton. Um, one of my favorite directors of all time, but I, I will say I have a fun little tidbit. If we're talking about live action, Mulan, my mom, I don't know how this happened, but, um, I think it was from college is actually, or was actually friends with, the woman who played the voice of the original
1: Mulan yeah yeah so wasn't the girl side note wasn't the girl Judy no, she's the singer. I think the person who sings for Mulan no, is different no. from the voice actor because the same person who sang for Mulan, I think, also sang for like Ariel or maybe like another <laughs> Disney princess. Maybe so. yeah,
2: that's super common too for them to use different voices for the actual like speaking
1: yeah. role. I mean, I guess you kind of have... people are going to notice eventually, right? Yeah, but
2: like yeah, singing. I mean, our not kids, that many kids don't care. No, <laughs> it's kids fine. <laughs>
1: Um, there are no songs in my favorite Disney movie. Well, that's not true. There's the one about Cusco. That's my favorite. Oh my
2: God. (laughs) Holy, you literally just, it's like a key turn.
1: (laughs) I've the the
2: memory. (laughs) I just want to say I have vivid, specific memories of watching Emperor's New Groove and Road to El Dorado on VHS. I watched
1: it over so recently
0: and, and it and stands over. the test. It's of so tons. good. It's it is so good. good. The thing that's um, sad though, is if you watch it as an adult and you try to quote it to somebody who is not on this zoom call, they have no idea what you're talking about. True. Well,
2: I- You'd be surprised how many people haven't even seen road to El Dorado. Like when I started dating my Iconic. boyfriend, I was like, I was like, I just want to have a nostalgia night. <laughs> yeah. And not even, the, not even them. It's like, the girl what what, what's her name with the, the gold earrings I'm like yeah. she is it for Disney she's she's it okay she was um, so
0: many years ahead of her time with both her oh body yes. proportions and her style
2: <laughs> absolutely and I think you know speaking of Disney not necessarily the movies but I just want to say that my childhood is ingrained With my butt sitting in the seat of the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World. That Mm -hmm. was like my happy place. And it still is. And I've never been to Disneyland in California. Mm -hmm. I've only been to Disney World because I lived in Florida. But if the Haunted Mansion ride is not there and is not the exact same, then we're going to have an issue.
1: I'm very biased towards Disneyland versus World. Like,
2: really, I, I fall Don't in the world.
1: That. I, Disney World is like, is it for me? Like, Disneyland cannot stack up to Disney World for me.
2: Don't say that because um, I haven't <laughs> been and I have high hopes. It's gonna, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not a
1: bad park, but I'm just, Disney World, I've been to twice. It was the first park that I went to. I was a kid, so very, my mom, my sister, and I went not long after my parents' divorce and we rode Space Mountain. And yep. there's a Buzz Lightyear themed ride where you like shoot yep. aliens. Oh my, we rode it so many times. <laughs> Hand and happy
2: childhood version. I think <laughs> no. the Buzz Lightyear one is in Disneyland. I think too,
1: right or no? I don't know. I, I, I didn't ride it. If it is there, I just oh. remember there are some rides that I'm like, I refuse to ride the Disneyland version because yeah. <laughs> I have a special memory in my head.
0: No, my I am too. My mother is very embittered because I literally she took me when I was like six years old to Disney mm-hmm. World in Florida. And I have no recollection of it whatsoever. And of course she spent all that time, cart a kid around in the sun. It's like a whole thing. I have no memory of it. And she's so pissed about it to this day. And it taught me- not to take my kids anywhere until they're like twelve. <laughs>
2: because... See, I was gonna say I don't agree because if you as an adult enjoy it, then it's fine. Like if you're mm. doing it just for your kid, then yeah, yeah, don't until they have memories. But like, yeah, I I started going to Disney when I was seven. My mom passed away when I was seven, and so my dad did the kind of parent thing that they do often when you lose a parent, which is distract, distract, mm. distract. And Disney was that place, which is kind of why I have those memories, but we started going every year like around when she passed away so i wouldn't mm-hmm. think about it and um i have vivid memories and i was only 7 but i tell my sister just had a kid and she's like almost 2 now and i'm like we live in california we have to go to disney it's about to open like when it opens and it's safe we need to go and she's like she's not going to remember it and i'm like but i will but like, you will i will yeah. right That's and fair. it's important for me to have those memories with her even though she's not going to care, but I will, you know what I mean? And it'd be
0: fun. I would do it if it was something that is super fun. So we have Disneyland Paris. That's like about a three hour flight slash a few more hours train away. So we would definitely take our kids there, but only like what you're saying, if it was fun for us, because if it's, what you're doing is for the kids, they're not going to really have that many memories of it until they're older, just because that's not how child development works.
2: (laughs) Well, there's mm -hmm. a fine line between, I'm like, I kind of just want to use your child as like my scapegoat because there's a fine line between going to Disney and being like a Disney adult, which are
1: some of the cringiest people. The ear people. Um, Yeah. yeah, And I'm like, you can get (laughs) away with the ears and the tutus and all of that if you have a child next to you. Yeah. So
2: yeah. hey Pro that's tip. why i'm like thank god i live out here because for me now i'm kind of more of a universal person like i'm a very big harry potter fan oh, i'm oh, dying oh.
1: to go to <laughs> harry potter <world. laughs> dying.
2: and i said to my my boyfriend i was like look i'm gonna make a deal with you right now i i have zero interest in star wars i have Fallen asleep every time I've tried to watch one of the movies, I just can't get into
1: it. <laughs> I don't like it either. But, Hannah is an island,
2: <laughs> but he loves Star Wars, kind of from the nostalgia thing. Like mm-hmm. he grew up, what he's up from a boy family. He has uh, brothers, and it's like, you know, they watched the movies when that's they came the out in theaters. Yeah. yeah, and they did all the stuff. I can't relate, but that's how Harry Potter is to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I will make you a deal. We will go, and you will be as hype as me when we're in Harry Potter world, the Wizarding world. And I will be as hyped as you when we are at my wits end because I have no interest. Like, in this is in so great.
0: I love it.
2: Yeah, I I'm going to be like,
0: love Star Wars. I will just say. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
2: it's for good, me, really I, so I really like the, the thing about Universal that I like isn't even just the themes. It's how much work goes into stuff like that. Mm. I, I really have a lot of respect for it. Um, yeah. I went on recently a couple years ago, the Tangled ride in, disney in florida when it was new and i was so impressed i was like the kids that are growing up with tangled as a movie as part of their childhood like they really got the details right so i'm sure for somebody like him going to i don't even know what galaxy's edge i think is what it's called um and seeing like the movie because for me when i went to the wizarding world for the first time i was like shook (laughs) like walking down diagon alley like going in the different stores i was like this is i am harry Potter. i'm a witch i (laughs) I knew it (laughs) get me an (laughs) owl i'm ready (laughs) yeah so he deserves that too and i'll i'll suck Mm -hmm. it up i guess
1: love stupid it's dead i would also
0: (laughs) thoroughly recommend the so they have a warner brothers studio tour here in london if you ever make it this way that is well worth it so it's where they actually shot a lot of the films so they have the original sets up I've it's heard.
2: good, and it's, it's on good. my bucket list. Don't you worry; it's, it's up on there. My my Warner Brothers tour, actually, my um, experience on the lot. It wasn't a tour; it was part of my story, which I'll I'll tell you when you know later. But um, that was actually what inspired me to want to work in entertainment was being on that lot. So yeah, I walked on it for a project that I had to do um, for my job, and when I was there, I was just like, "This is it! Like that, I never want to leave here." I think we as adults kind of get sucked into this idea of having a job to make money instead of Mm. because we love it. And it's hard and I understand, but one thing that I will not do is die feeling like I lived a mediocre life. And I think being on set is so freaking cool and having movies and TV shows come to life and inspire people through, you know, like performance art is just a big passion of mine. So when I heard that Harry Potter was filmed out there and had the um tour through Warner Brothers I was like okay so Europe is on my list already and now this is where I'm going
0: <laughs> it's so cool and I did manage to get Emma a platform nine and three quarters picture yeah but in
1: Kings Cross but the cart itself so there the line is going to be ginormous and yeah
0: and it I costs money if, yeah. it costs
1: yeah. money to do you so like a the
0: picture t- or yeah so if you walk into king's cross station there's always there's a huge harry potter memorabilia store and there's always people lined up like genuinely queued mm. for like 40 to 50 people deep and it's about getting the picture with the cart holding the like 93 quarters thing but the thing that locals will tell you is if you wait sometimes they leave the card out but if you wait you can just get a picture with the wall for free afterwards and it's exactly
1: what harry was pressing into which is just the wall and so, it has the black uh-huh. nine and three quarters so mm-hmm. that's what we did i'll post it to the instagram because i used it on my dating profile for like a long time i was like oh look i'm just falling through but <laughs> anyway it was free yeah, right. so truly before <laughs> yeah. we get too deep into our harry potter memorabilia conversation which hannah probably is like i don't care too much I, I love harry potter i i did that thing where like i think of things and experience things throughout the week and i make notes because that's how i live my life sometimes it's things that i say to myself and i'm alone and i'm like hmm would people think i'm crazy if they heard me recorded at my house probably yes so <laughs> i'm trying to find one that's not okay so this one was funny because i saw a tiktok about it and i really resonated with it and it's when men to me because i'm not doing a b section today i'll just mention this really quick it's when men say come through to me and so my response is am i a coochie delivery service <laughs> no i am not Thank you for your That's time. That's a great idea for a business. <laughs> like Uber. <laughs> but they're asking me to do it for free and I don't vibe with that. So um, yeah, no, I just, I don't agree. And come
2: through is a very like high school phrase for me. Correct. That's like the phrase. I don't know if you guys experienced this, but when there would be like house parties in high school and you'd say, send me the Addy. Do you ever hear that? Like, yeah, I know what of came from
0: context, but I could not be older than I feel if, right now. <laughs> well,
2: if somebody, said me that, if somebody said that to me now, I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't go. <laughs> this just, is a no. So there's <laughs> going to be high
1: <laughs> schoolers there is what you're saying. Minors yes, will be exactly. there. I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am aware. Yeah. So um, every time a, a man says that to me, I'm like, well, first of all, it's three in the morning. So I'm not sure <laughs> what part yeah. of you yeah. thinks you are so special that I the goddess of the universe would leave my apartment for you. (laughs) Like questions. I have questions.
0: I would say though, and I've said this before, like Beyonce could be outside my door. Like Hannah, I just want to talk to you. And I'd be like, girl, come back at seven. Like I am not getting out of bed for anybody at three in the morning.
1: Seven. No. Yeah. I don't. I 10 is my hard stop. (laughs) But I'm saying for Beyonce, Beyonce. (laughs) like
0: Beyonce's here. She's made the trip. Fine. She's got on a plane. Beyonce,
1: Beyonce. I'll get up at seven. Anybody else, 10 a.m. minimum.
2: Yeah. Let me give some unsolicited tea really quick. I Mm -hmm.
1: come through. I'm not like the biggest,
2: (laughs) I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan. Me neither. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Like honestly, but I don't think it's a her thing. There are just very few people that I really like hardcore love. You know what I mean? And for me, it's, it's not about their talent. It's usually about their, like who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Bateman. I I love him and I love his dad vibe. Um, really anything about him. I, I stand with Beyonce. It's like, she's undoubtedly a talented performer mm-hmm. and really puts a lot of work into her performances, which we saw in her documentary movie. But I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not
1: I don't get it. I'm not there all the way. You know? Mm. I have my own bees to worry about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Takes my attention. (laughs) I, I totally get
0: it. And I think there's, I think most people would say on the spectrum of like Bay Hive or not, like I like her, I like her music, but I'm not a quote unquote fan. Like I have never tried to go to one of her concerts. I have no mm-hmm. urge to buy premier access to her content. Like yeah, I exactly. like her, but I'm I'm not obsessed.
1: Destiny's Child though, I would consider Destiny's Child say- was just
0: part of our history. Though if you're a '90s baby, like Destiny's Child was just paving the way. You know, truly. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, for me, honestly, I just I'm not that into pop music, like in general. Mm. Um, honestly, like podcasting has taken over my life. Like it's all I do now is listen to podcasts. So I think I'd fangirl more over some of the people who podcast that I'm a favorite murder. murder. I fangirl. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, you can't see, cause you're on my laptop and I can't turn you around. But for Christmas last year, I got the stay sexy. Don't get murdered <gasps> book. And I read it yeah. on the flight and a bunch of
1: people were like, She has the SSDGM. Yeah, (laughs) it's a cult. um, Truly, they call it the fan cult, and it's accurate. So, and it
2: is. Yeah, I love them, and I love, and that's why we drink.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, I don't know if you listen to them, but they are the first podcast that I that I actually found in the true crime space, and they're what got me into podcasting actually. And what I really love about them is, um, it's the first podcast, and really only one I know of right now, at least in that space, who really, really normalizes pronouns and um Mm -hmm. sexuality and things like that so I I think I stand them so much because I respect not only what Mm -hmm. they're doing with true crime but who they are as people and what Mm -hmm. they're kind of standing for Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I know that that was a little deep and I will just say you guys are saying destiny's child but for me it's Fleetwood Mac
1: I'm not gonna lie I I love Fleetwood Mac I I I mean like if I were a witch. That's what I would want to be like.
2: <laughs> Honestly, Stevie Nicks is probably the only singer that I that I am like obsessed. I named my car Stevie after Stevie Nicks. And oh, I will probably name a child Stevie after Stevie Nicks. And um, I paid ridiculous money for shit seats at their concert when they came through.
1: So <laughs> yeah, oh, but that's
2: fine. Everyone has their, their thing.
1: Mine yeah. is men who are over 30 years old who ask me for my Snapchat. Emma's is making bad life choices
0: with guys that she knows are going to disappoint her, but charging headlong into those red so flags.
1: So here's my thing about the Snapchat debacle that has plagued me ever since I was in high school. When it became a thing, Snapchat, I don't use it. I have like- I was going to say. Isn't no they? one, no one uses it. Snap scores streaks. None of that stuff is relevant anymore. But like I will say
0: my little brother who is 10 years younger than me- is very into his snap score and he sends those like weird scribbly pictures back just to get mm. his snap score up. So I think it's a thing, but I think they're speaking in code because all of his like Instagram captions are like, Ca-caw! and I'm like, what does that, <laughs> that mean? And all of his friends are like, so I, think code. <laughs> I think they're, code. they're plotting against us. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh no, wait, Megan, how, how old are you? I'm 23. So you, are about to answer a very pivotal question for us. If one wears a skinny side jeans. part and skinny jeans,
1: okay, is I'll one elderly? By, I'll,
2: I'll tell you this because we actually had, I was at a rooftop bar with my sister and her friends. My sister is 12 years older than me, but we do everything together. And they were talking about this. And I will say one thing, um, I actually studied fashion in school and I thought that's what I was going to pursue as a career. I don't agree with that because- It's not about, you are not fashionable if you're following the trends, in my opinion. You know what I mean? You can't only have straight leg jeans in your jean drawer. You just can't. There are occasions that you need a skinny jean, okay? And for me, my hair changes every day. I middle part it sometimes, I side part it sometimes, I braid it. So I'm like, I don't even understand that because when I first started middle parting, or yeah, middle parting my hair, people really threw some hate my way. They were like, why are you middle parting your hair? It's so weird. And I'm like, this is just the way my hair got tired. It got tired it's of just, sitting on she the a rest.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, leave her. Well, alone. This side was fighting Seriously. with this side. So we're just parting the sea. So it's really
0: yeah. funny because Emma got called out. We talked about it a few episodes ago, but Emma got called out in one of her classes because she's like, what usually like five or six years older, sometimes seven or eight than her peers because she's finishing up her degree at Fordham right now. Mm. And these two girls in her class, Emma is, has a TikTok. So she's even cooler than I am. Cause I'm, I'm like actually old millennial where I don't have a TikTok. I just feel very pressured by TikTok because they're like, watch <laughs> the videos, watch
1: the videos, watch them, watch them. And I'm like, and but I it, will I like it. it will change your life. It will change your life. <laughs> it's iconic, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But Emma got basically called out and she was like, opinion question, what do you think about all this? Like, oh, millennials who wear like skinny jeans and side parts. And they were like, oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Like, well, let me just tell you,
2: let me say this too, coming from Ohio and living in LA, I think you can never talk about trends because you don't know what's trendy. Like, that's the truth. I mean, in Ohio, the straight leg thing was not, at the same pace as LA people were wearing those in LA way before Ohio the trend takes the time to kind of cross the board and really the trends don't originate in the US anyways okay they originate in Europe they originate in Asia (laughs) they really do so it's like you know who are you and also who are you like that's the other thing who are you to debate whether it's a trend or not I'm sorry where are you shopping it's Target okay it's wild fable for you it's Zara for you and the trends are already decided
0: so yeah I just think yeah. in general like so much of fashion is super cyclical and if you don't recognize that which I think for a lot of younger people they just haven't been alive long enough which is fair but if well, you don't me, recognize it it's like
1: <laughs> of course yeah, you yeah I mean I saw an article by someone posted an article of like Delia's catalog and it was all those like chunky black boots that are like coming back in style yes. yeah and i made God. a comment like gen z really thinks they're doing something with this and other people were coming back like they also think they created the word psych you know but that's that's been a thing and it's also it's not it's spelled p-s-y-c-h not s-i-k-e thank you very much there's a whole it's tv show psych out like right psychotic. yeah and there's a, a whole <laughs> tv show to back me up on this so it's called psych.
2: i will say it's pretty funny because i remember when i turned 17 16 and all I wanted for my birthday was a pair of Doc Martens and I was like please like I will do anything for them and my stepmom said to me um it's so funny because I like came downstairs after I got them and I was wearing like a denim dress with like tights and my docs and she was like, I literally had that outfit Yep. when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and I literally had those Doc Martens and I just threw them away. Cause I was like, okay, if they haven't come back yet, they're not coming back. And now they're back. And yep. it is funny because when I got the docs, because I have always been into fashion, I, let me preface by saying my mom was a designer. My dad was a buyer for Victoria secret for his whole career. And my sister worked oh. for the limited as well. Now she works for fashion Nova. Um, so that's oh. why I studied fashion. I thought because everybody did it, I had to do it. So trend forecasting was kind of a thing that we as a family did. And when I got my Doc Martens, it wasn't, it hadn't hit yet. And I just liked it because I I was like, oh, I'm so emo and I'm gonna go listen to My Chemical uh. Romance like I did in middle <laughs> school. And um, I went to school in like the preppiest <laughs> school district in all of Columbus. And I remember walking in and literally I was new I was new to that district and literally got bullied because of my docs. And um guess who's laughing now? Because all you have your stupid Doc Martins now too. How about that? Okay.
0: The funniest thing already cut in. Like here, Doc Martins are so commonplace. They're like they're just a normal shoe. They're not a trend. The only trendy thing is the wilder color ones that people wear. But like having Doc Martens, they're just a classic British shoe. Like it's, it's not. Because
2: they're a good shoe. Yeah. It's not trend
0: based. It's just, these are great leather boots. Here you go. Oh, these are Mm -hmm. now vegan leather boots. Here you go. Like there, there's no trend to it. Yeah. I do want to move us into a little bit more of a practical subject. So all of you out there, all 32 of you are wondering. Don't start with me. Where right this now. third voice come from? Who is this sweet angel that is speaking to us? So <laughs> Megan from Megan in the Morning, the podcast that is sweeping the nation. I think it's just Megan in, yes, Meg. it mm-hmm. Meg in the morning. Yes, that's true. It is Megan in the is morning. Megan Her full name is Megan. So... Because we're close friends now, Meg, uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to just do like a quick little like, hey, this is who I am. Um, obviously, you're from the sweet state of Ohio, just like we yes, are. You're exactly. now in California.
2: Yeah. So I am Meg. I'm from Meg in the Morning. And um, I do live in LA now because I'm pursuing a career in entertainment, um, which is what my podcast is based around pop culture, entertainment, all that fun stuff. But I am from Ohio and my story is a fun one. I I grew up in Ohio and then moved to Florida and then moved back to Ohio. And coming back, I was like, nope, uh, not for me now that I've been elsewhere. Um, And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I moved out here for an internship in college and the internship was in PR and we had a client who was doing a a gig on Home and Family, which was shooting on the Warner Brothers lot. So I went to the lot with our client and um, watched them film Home and Family. And I was just like, I am shook to my core. This is the best thing I've ever been a part of. Um, And I decided that that was what my career was going to be, working on sets and doing things like that. So I actually quit that internship because I was like, PR is not it. And I went broke that summer, literally bankrupt myself living out here unpaid, just trying to get that set experience. And my saviors came, the producer of a show out here called Focus TV. The show was called Good Morning La La Land. It was a morning talk show, which is prefacing a little bit as to why my podcast is what it is, but this, this morning talk show agreed to bring me in for an unpaid internship. And first I was just doing very basic PA stuff, but my producer really took me under his wing and um, kind of was like, what do you want to do like in life? We're not paying you. So you might as well do what you want to do here. And I told him, I don't know. I kind of want to work with talent. I might want to be a host. Like, I don't really know. So he said, okay, let's test. He said, okay, if you think you can be a host, let's test you tomorrow. You'll host the after show. Um, so tomorrow came and I sat down and RIP, I killed the club and he offered <laughs> me the position. Um, and so for the rest of the summer, I hosted good morning law after show where I interviewed, um, talent, mostly actors, business owners in LA, and just kind of did fun segments with them. Because I think a lot of times when we watch things like good morning, America, and there's actors on, or we're, we're watching them give press, But fans want to know what their favorite drink is, what, you know, their spirit animal is and fun stuff like that. So I had to leave, unfortunately, to finish out my college degree. And I missed being able to interview and talk to people being with talent. COVID hit. So that was no longer an option. And so I decided podcasting was it. So now I host Meg in the morning where I cover pop culture topics in the, in the beginning. And then the second half is a segment where I interview somebody in the industry. And that has been so much fun. I've, I've talked to Emmy award-winning directors, actors, business owners, just amazing people all together. And, um, yeah, I kind of, I feel like, This is kind of what I want to do. I don't know. I get to meet so many cool people like you guys and talk about the things that matter to me, which might seem mundane, but it's pop culture and things like Britney and, you know, all that kind of stuff.
1: So. And now she's talked to me. us, world famous podcasters, This is
2: the peak of my career. <laughs> this, yes.
1: is, this
0: is it. Sadly, you're all going down. <laughs> I'm <lower>. sorry, Leo. Down. <laughs> <Honestly. laughs> no, I will say though, like Meg, it's such, it's so good to hear that because you're our girl. Like that's exactly what we tell people to do all the time on our show, because basically the premise of our show is that we were told you're not really going to be able to do much. Why don't you just settle for something conventional? And we pressed Mm -hmm. against it. And so I moved overseas for Emma that was moving to New York, but like we had a lot of people and a lot of like opposition that was, you know, financial, it was people telling you like, oh, wouldn't you just be better off getting a job and just staying where you are and just getting comfortable. And like, I'm so proud of you for doing this. Like, that's exactly what we tell people Thank to you. do.
1: So that
2: I, I really love that you say that because I'm sure you can relate to, especially coming from the Midwest or Ohio specifically, that's what I can speak to. When I told my friends and friends of my family that I was moving to LA and supporting myself. I, I do want to, um, kind of caveat that because I am young, I'm 23. And a lot of people think that I have support and I, and I don't, not that I don't, I do, I have a lot of emotional support. My family is amazing, but it was actually the goal of mine to come out here and see if I can do it, fall flat on my face. If I have to go broke, if I have to, because whatever I gain, I want to say that I did this on my own. And there were a lot of people. I don't, I think there was only um, one person from my hometown that when I left actually said to me, Hey, I just want you to know, I'm really proud of you. Like you always said you were going to do this and you're doing it. And I'm really proud. Um, But besides my immediate family, I mean, everybody said, LA is so expensive. What are you going to do if you don't have work? And they said the same thing. You should just get a job here. And for me, um, I think that idea of being better off is really, really about what you believe better off means. Because to me, I would be absolutely miserable working a full-time job in Ohio. So if that means coming out here and going broke and living paycheck to paycheck until I get the job that excites me, that is way more worth it in the long run than being financially stable. Plus what I always tell people is what's the worst that can happen? You know, it's like when people would say it's so expensive. Yeah, it is. And if I go broke, I'll move back to Ohio. But I can't do this later in my life. Like now is the time I can do it when I have no Mm. obligations, no kids, nothing holding me back. So I'm going to do it that way. When my time comes, I don't say what, what if like, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of, um, you know, philosophy I have in life. I know that this is like a lighthearted podcast, but the truth is my mom, like I said, she passed away and she was very young. She got cancer when she was in her early thirties and ended up passing away when I was seven. She was super young. Um, and you know, I think about that a lot because I'm 23 and I'm already halfway to where she was. And if I died today, this is not how I'm going down. You know, I want to know that I tried the things I wanted to do, even if they didn't work out, I tried them. And not a lot of people can say that, you know, I Mm -hmm. think if you ask a lot of adults, are you happy with what you're doing? They say yes, because they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. They don't know what's out there, but almost everybody who I, who understands me and and I talk to them about what I'm pursuing and what I want to do. They say, yeah, if I could go back to college, I'd do this or I'd pursue this. And it's Mm -hmm. never what they're actually doing. I feel fortunate that I know what I want. I don't have it yet. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways I do, but I'm obviously not like an exec at Warner brothers yet, you know? Um, but, but in, in the worst case, if I don't get there, I literally did everything I could and I knew what I wanted and I went for it. And that's way less scary to me than never going for it at all.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Honestly, like Emma, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. Like so much of what you're saying has echoed in our own footsteps. Like the yeah. people who would tell you to get like, you know, the memes of like the starter packs, like the Ohio yeah. starter pack is like a ranch house with yep. an SUV no. and like a Labradoodle and I'm like a, just a specific <laughs> like Starbucks order that you have, like it, the whole thing. It, it's absolutely a starter pack. And I mean, the truth is, you can do, you can stay safe and you can be comfortable, but I think exactly what you're saying is true. You know, you, you decide what your life is going to be spent doing. And if that's chasing something that is a passion for you, that sets your heart on fire, like why would you want to live in a place or in a job that is anything less than that? If you can, if you can try it, like
2: well, I think this idea of comfort is super important just to mention because I, and I'm not shaming anybody who's a comfort person who likes comfort in their life, but for me, I'm more comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I get bored when I'm too comfortable. That's just the truth. It's mm-hmm. like who I am as a person. And when you go through traumatic events as a child, especially, um, you never really have that comfort. And so it becomes what you're used to, which is why a lot of times you see people, I mean, it can really go either way because people who have tra- traumatic childhoods they can grow up to really need structure and really mm. need comfort. And I think I just kind of went the other way and I hate being bored. I hate it. Mm. I I like doing things and talking to people and um for me it was just more comfortable to change environments and and see what was out there for mm. me, you know, and I I don't know. I just I I'm not I know a lot of times in the Midwest or the people who we grew up around
1: Mm.
2: want this idea of like graduating college, getting a job, getting married, having kids, getting the house. And for me, honestly, no shame to them at all. That is like not even in my future plans. Like I just haven't even thought that far. Kids, I don't know, seem like kind of inconvenience to my (laughs) plans. And um, if I have to live in a 500 square foot apartment, if I like the area and I like my job, who cares? I don't need the house. I don't I don't need it. Yeah. You know?
1: I think that there is something to be said about stepping out of your comfort zone. And my comfort zone is not being in a comfort zone personally. So I resonate with right. that as well. I'm sure Hannah does as well to an extent, at least Hannah likes to have plans. I have OCD. I also like to have plans. I Like, to you know what I'm doing? the same way, but I don't like it to be mapped out for me from birth in the Midwest is a very easygoing place, you know, like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Like come what may sort of attitude. And I am the exact opposite. <laughs> so I was way. like, I need to go. And my mom has told me multiple times, she was like, of all the people in our family who were capable of doing this, it would be you. And that's not a dig at the rest of my family. It's just that they have very different personalities to me. So, Hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, no, it's ironic because I think that's amazing that they saw that in you. My family was kind of the opposite. I mean, they were really supportive, but they were like, Okay. We'll see about that. We'll see. Sure, honey. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, my dad, he was always like, if you do it, I mean, kudos, congrats, but. But it's always if and not when, you know. Exactly. Yes. Oh my God. You're speaking to me. The word is coming through you. (laughs) No, I mean, um, when, the trauma happened when I was a child, I developed severe anxiety and, um, there are triggering events where that happens. Um, and I have a weird relationship with my dad in the sense that because, you know, one parent died, I sometimes have a subconscious anxiety about losing another one. So being away from him, I think people thought was going to be hard for me, which is why I came out here for an internship to see if I could do it. And, Mm. and I did it and I came home and I was like, damn, I'm like a badass. (laughs) okay, um, if I can do it, then I'm going to do it. And now yeah. this is just my life, you know? And I I feel like that is honestly already my accomplishment. Like people can look at me and say, she doesn't have the career she wants yet. Or, you know, she isn't making a crap load of money. But those aren't my goals. My goals were internal and proving to myself that I could do yeah. it. And I, and I freaking did. So here I am.
1: 100%. We have- We have a mutual friend who definitely has a superiority complex about the path of life that she's on. And maybe you can relate to this. Like, I don't know what your friend groups are like, but we have a friend who is very much so like, I think it comes from a place of an insecurity of like, oh, well, I didn't do anything super crazy with my life, which means that like, because I didn't do it, you shouldn't be able to do it. Oh, yeah. And it's only
2: the people who are following that very strict path you're talking about that have ever judged what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I will also say though, and I said this to my mother because my mother was very, she's always supportive of me as a person. She was not at all supportive of me moving. And she, the whole time has really expressed a lot of doubt, which is fair. Like she, you know, she's coming yeah. at it from a space of love. But I said to my mom and I, I believe I said to Emma, and I would also say to you before I left, even if I spend six months there and I come back, that's a win. Like you've already accomplished so much by doing it that if you happen to fail, like you're already failing forward, you're pursuing what you love, you're, you know, you're in the space you want to be. And that is not wasted time. That is not a wasted experience. And the fact that it didn't last as long as you were expecting it to, or that it took a different direction, that's not failing. Like nobody can say to you, you failed if you didn't get X, Y, and Z job by this time. The fact that you are living in LA, you're already doing it.
2: That idea of like failing forward is so so true. Like that's gonna be my new life motto because I feel the same way. No, work. but I'm trademark. Like,
1: sorry, you can't.
2: <laughs> trademark, trademark. You, you heard know, it. I I, I want to say this. Um, Jim Carrey gave a really really iconic speech that I think everybody, everybody listening, anybody, just with any profession or life path should listen to. And he talks about his dad, um, and he says, "My dad was." wanted to be an actor, a comedian, and he was funny. He was really good at it, but he was so scared of failure. So he didn't pursue it. And instead he got a mundane job. And, um, after a couple of years of working that mundane job, he was laid off and we became very, very poor. And so, you know, when I grew up, I thought I was funny and I wanted to be an actor. So I did it because my dad was scared of the failure and still failed at the thing he didn't even like. So why would you not pursue it? If you're going to fail, fail at the thing that you want, you know, and that's, it's so true. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying about them having like a superiority complex. I don't know that it is that, but I think when they see people their age, just like how we, who aren't living that typical life, sometimes, I mean, you got to admit, sometimes you look at your friends or people in your life and you're like, am I on the right path? Because they already have everything figured out and I don't even know what I'm eating for dinner you know so sometimes they look at you too and they're like I can't go back you know I'm already 23 and married which for some people that's what they want but I just you know I think they look at you and they and they feel that way like now I can't move to the UK if I want to because somebody else I have to consider and I just I don't want to ever feel like I can't go back. I I don't want to have the regrets. I don't want to feel like I can't redo, you know, redo it and try again. Mm -hmm. So look
1: at us. We're heroes. Basically. Who'd have thought? Um, I guess we can do the actual episode now that we've had this episode. (laughs) If we want to, we could probably start. (laughs) So, Emma, cue the music. Okay, there's no music for this intro portion, but that's fine. (laughs) Hannah has no idea where we're at. It's cool. Um, I will Uh, cue the intro, which is that I am Emma. I'm Hannah. And our guest, of course, is Megan Shiruzi, as we have previously established. And this is the transcontinental tea, which, let me just address this, and it's going to be a little unorthodox. It does not mean that we are trans. (laughs) Yeah. And this has been a question I get all the time. It's do you really bit. get that question a lot I've a never lot got I get it a lot and it just further proves that the American educational system has failed us <laughs> but yeah but, I was gonna yeah. say uh
0: no no British person that I've told has had any questions <laughs> well
1: it's known. also when you <laughs> say it when you say it the dash is implied right and it's I type it I never type just I type it as like one word or with the dash and always like does that mean you're trans and I'm like do you not know what across continents means like do we need to have a discussion Go back. also to the does
2: it matter like what? correct
1: but it's always it's always on dating apps these guys ask me so like, i would i mean granted like i would want someone to tell me if they were trans but uh, you know the point stands yeah. like the the word trans being in it does not mean trans right. I digress. Right. the the point of this name is that hannah and i are across two different continents hence the name so okay now that we've established that we have as in our super cute little intro there established that we have a third with us today an actual new friend at the table um and it's not
0: just you guys listeners it's our other third friend at the table
1: (laughs) so you're still you still have a seat don't worry you still you can stay right there stay right there um So, but today, it's going to be a little bit more pop culture-y, which Hannah and I have done a little bit. We've dabbled in the pop culture realm. We've, We've waited dipped our toes. Pop culture ocean. Oh, we were no. like, it's mm, too cold. We can't do it. But um, today, we're going to try again. So, <laughs> oh, man. So, 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 Hannah, what topics are we diving into today? Well, I will tell you. I can't wait. going to you would. I will tell you
0: right now. So, the pop culture subjects du jour are... Megan and Harry, the interview, the down, down, iconic down. moment. Wherever you fall on the spectrum of love them, hate them, love to hate them, hate to love them, the interview it itself was groundbreaking because uh, if you're not a huge royal family fan, you won't know this, but they historically do not comment on family matters. They don't talk about speculatory news. They don't. They don't have any sort of back and forth publicly so this was very big even if you completely don't agree with anything they said this was a huge history maker and the other topic also a history maker it's britney
1: and so you didn't talking. finish the phrase but it's fine i didn't and i
0: stopped <laughs> <laughs> so wow <laughs> We're gonna talk about Britney's conservatorship and all of the twisty, dark, unclear
1: pathways that led us to this crossroads. You see what it is in there? Oh, okay. Um, I would like to make a quick note. If you're watching this, I love the YouTube, which is the um, two episodes. If you haven't watched it yet, you're wrong. <laughs> Um, but there's a bad bulb in my light in here. So if you have epilepsy, this is your, sure, your warning. warning.
0: Yeah. It's also a little bit murdery, which is very on brand for Emma. I, so agree. <laughs> I think we should get into tea of the week. Okay. And this is the part of the show where we talk about the tea that we've had this week. I had herbal. No, I'm kidding. No, it's <laughs> oh, part of the no. show where we talk about what's happened in our weeks Cue the music. Let the music play. T
1: T T T T T T T T T T
0: T
2: T
1: T But yes, let's let our guests give her a little teeny tiny sip first. We're so excited. Tea of the week. I love Easy A. It's
2: a great movie. It's fantastic. My tea of the week is what i'm watching on my podcast i like to do deep dive episodes where i cover things like the megan and harry interview and framing britney the britney spears movement um this week i watched what was recently released on netflix about the college admission scandal um so i will yeah it was really good i will be doing a deep dive episode on that um and i just think that it was a perfect crossover in my life between True crime and pop culture, and they just merged for that beautiful, that beautiful, like gold
0: noise, you know? Mm-hmm. Really oh,
1: man, work that thing when you do like,
0: oh, that lip. Emma had to teach me what ASMR meant um mostly because I only understood it I, I have a degree in psychology so I only understood it from like the psychology perspective and she's like no people do videos where they like slurp noodles and
1: I'm like yeah okay so sometimes I'll do like a coffee sip and Hannah's like no <laughs> Just,
0: yeah. like but the anyway. only thing that my husband and I are like constantly tense about is that he never Learned to chew with his mouth closed, and now I am the absolute police. Like I'm like the helicopters you talked about in LA. I'm just like waiting for like a <laughs> noise, and then I'm like, like
1: <laughs> it's the Same
0: way.
2: I chew with my mouth
0: open.
1: Oh no! <laughs> I'm not it's okay. We like don't. At all. We don't yell the podcast. So you can live. It's fine. Okay. For our anyway, more segments, we'll bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> please proceed with your story, though. I think that was it, Ben. Oh, was that it? You watched it? it. Okay, great. I watched Um, it. It was really
2: good. Stay tuned for the episode on the deep dive. Very exciting.
1: Um, definitely ruined my view of Full House for the rest of my life. So that's correct. Very (laughs) say that. Okay, depressing. Um, okay, Ham. What's yours? Mine is twofold because I'm a huge fan and I like to
0: make everything with as many folds as possible. So I gave a really special gift to my in-laws this week that I'm super excited about. No
1: brag, it's fine. <laughs> it's casual, it's I fine. So great. No, but the
0: actual gift, I don't know if I'm... Like gifting is not a receiving love language for me. I don't get love from receiving gifts, but I love giving gifts to people. It's so much fun. It's so good. Like, oh, I get so excited about it. As soon as I get (laughs) it. Do you want to open it now? Christmas is in (laughs) three
1: weeks. But do you want to open it now? No,
0: mine's like, it's June. And I'm like, I got your Christmas gift. Do you want (laughs) to open it now? And they're like, no, no, I don't. Uh, So I got um, my brother and sister-in-law this gift. They're having a baby. And I saw one of the influencers I follow her name is Sarah, I think, but her handle is the birds papaya she's fantastic. And she does a lot of like body positivity and she's a new mom, but she got this gift from an Etsy lady in Canada. And it's her sonogram, but it's like a watercolor of it. And so I was like, I have to get that for my sister in law. She's going to love that. And so it got delivered and I got to give it to them. And it's like a starry night. It's beautiful. Oh, I was so happy about it. And it just totally made me. Did you give it to Um, them yet? Yeah, I gave okay. it to them the day after I received it. I, have <laughs> okay. no chill. I lack chill, and I also don't know when her baby shower is planned for because we're still in full lockdown. So like, yeah. I definitely can't wait for an unplanned event. You're just gonna have this now, and we'll give you like a onesie <laughs> for that. So I I gave that today. It was really good, and then I have a dilemma that I would just like to share with our, our fans, because, um, number one, we have listeners. We don't have fans, Hannah Marie. Uh, and number two, um, share it with our community,
1: community, Uh, the team, so to speak. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I walk a very delicate line with decorating my desk at work. And here's why I work as a contractor, which basically the like highlighted bolded portion is at will which means anytime they want with or without reason they can be like poof you're fired and it's not the most secure way to live but they pay you money so you like forget about it they're like oh look at this little like check that we're giving you every month mm, <laughs> exciting <laughs> and, then, and then you're like
1: i uh, could get fired at any time and they're like yeah literally any moment but look look <laughs> our nation is just on the hill just like Yeah, it's very (laughs) ominous. So
0: I have not decorated my desk a great deal. I have like a couple of little like tchotchkes, like tat stuff. Is this
1: so it's not depressing if you have to clear it out?
0: (laughs) Yes, it's so I have a box that is already like full of stuff. And so everything that's on my desk now can be chucked in the box in two minutes and I can leave. And I would like to call it like fireproof. Like you don't have to spend like half a day crying and like collecting all of your little books that you like put away. No, you just, I'm out. So I am now navigating the balance. We moved offices this week. And I'm navigating the balance of, I want to decorate my space. I love a Studio McGee moment. You know, I'm here for like a wood mixture vibe of like rope. And then all of a sudden there's like a metal knot somewhere, but it's just, it makes sense. So I am very into the idea of decorating my desk, but then practically, I don't know how much more I can shove in my little fireproof box Mm -hmm. of like, I can grab it and go. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the throes of a decision. I'm at a crossroads just like Brittany was all those years
1: ago. I don't feel like you can compare yourself to Brittany considering what we're going to talk about today, but I, I appreciate these shallow <laughs> comments.
0: So I can compare myself anytime I want.
1: Thanks. Um, so my tea, my teeny tiny sip, the baby saucer that I brought with me today, which is metaphorical because I don't drink tea. Therefore, I don't have saucers. However, um... or or cups, or any combination of things. I have mugs, and that's it.
0: I actually just order takeaway containers and pray that I have a dishwasher (laughs) space that day. (laughs)
1: Um, No, so my tea is very shallow because I brought out my PS2 not too long ago because I was feeling nostalgic. But I only have one TV, so the effort it takes to switch between consoles is very great. So I play all the games possible on one console before I get sick of it, before I move on to another (laughs) one. I i disagree but it's fine um so i've been playing scooby-doo recently and it is so hard it is so hard i have to wonder how did we play these games as kids and like manage to win because the only thing you have so the, the premise of the game is like you're going with your friend your your the mystery van crew whatever they call themselves to a friend's mansion when you get there you find out like oh her uncle has disappeared this is so strange and then scooby's hanging out and all of a sudden the rest of the gang disappears and you have to find them throughout the game as well as these inventions that help you get through levels et cetera. Et cetera. and all you have to go on a lot of the time as far as like when you're jumping on precarious ledges and things like this is his shadow and it glitches half the time so all and you just start from scratch and so like, I'm playing these games and I'm like how did I do this as a child how did I do it because as an adult with like much more dexterity and the ability to critically reason with myself like I find myself very angry all of the time
2: <laughs> do you have a quicker dexterity now as an adult that's the question.
1: You would think like, I, I, to me, it feels like I have a better dexterity than I did as a child, because back then I was just mashing buttons and hoping for the best, you know?
2: <laughs> Do you remember the, um, the Disney game about, I don't know if I'm like aging myself, but um, it was like Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and they were just like heads and you had to like m- go through the levels and collect mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I came across a TikTok where you can find all of those games I can't play any of them.
1: They're hard. Yeah, they are. Why are they so hard? I had a That's So Raven Game Boy game. That like, she's in the mall and other places. You have to avoid the parents and the teachers. And this is, I'm like, what is going? I throw the thing so much. Like, I don't, I don't. Maybe it's
2: because you don't. You're not as quick with with the console anymore.
1: Either that could be it. Because I'm a thousand years old, or. I just like played it for hours as a child. So I got good at it because I did it over and over. And now I just don't have the patience as an adult to sit there for more than like four hours versus Mm -hmm. like the 10 that I used to do. So I don't know what the common denominator here is. It can't be me because I'm perfect. So I don't, maybe it's just the game. It has
0: to be a system (laughs) issue. The only comparable story I have, I think I said recently on the podcast is I wanted to revisit like a game. We don't really have much to do in lockdown. So I was like, oh, I'll get Spyro. Like I remember enjoying that as a kid, that little cute dragon. And I had to stop playing Spyro because I got motion sick from the camera turning. And like that's how you know you're decrepit. I'm like that's how you know you have passed the point of no return. You, your sell by date is gone. You are OLD old. And it's true. Yeah. So I had to I'm gonna I had have to, to lay it down. I'm gonna
2: have to say I don't even know what that game is. I
0: know because you're young.
1: It's when fine. You carry the torch. Oh, it's off. fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sorry. No, I mean, really, it's not. It's, so I was like a young kid when Spyro came out. So it was a PC game. It was very 2D. Everything was just, it was like Minecraft, but like mm, not, on, okay. not on purpose. So. Oh, I okay. remember
0: playing it on like the first PlayStation. Mm, I
1: had it on my computer when I played it. And this is the remastered version. So it's like, it looks like a, a game made in, you know, the 2020s. Right. So. Hang on. Right.
0: I'm going to educate real quick. I'm going to show you a picture of Spyro. So that way, from this day yeah, forward.
2: maybe if I see it i'll, I'll re- remember it spyro okay yes i remember no i never played
0: but but now you're you're in the club yes, you I know remember, what Spy but was. if you do I decide
1: to play you'll find it much easier than we did because back then everything was like dark green and he was purple and that was the only color yeah. in the game so <laughs> right oh that was it so all right um okay are you guys ready to like do a sippy sip I think
0: we are. I'm gonna Ready. let you do the cues this time. You know, I, I trust you.
1: So are you, you trust me to do my job that I do it almost every single time perfectly, except for like the times that I don't except do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I funny. resent me for that comment, but it's fine. The tea is exceptionally good today. <laughs> Who made this? Hmm. Very
0: delicious. I'm
1: sure to like a media person like you, this seems like a really janky way to do this. And let me explain why. Because I use Audacity as an editing platform and you can insert audio there, but I hate splitting the audio because I'm not good at not making it jump. So this is just easier. Let me,
2: I will say my favorite podcast, Use Audacity, I can't figure it out. And I am a media person and I love editing and I just can't figure it out. So kudos to you. I don't think it's a jank. I don't think it's janky at all. And I will say- Wendy Williams, that's the perfect intro for that. That
1: We it took us forever. (laughs) We were like, oh my god. That was great. So Uh, much. But as we scared of like copyright infringements. That's why I was like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, (laughs) it hasn't happened yet. We did mention, like, hey, if you don't like it, shut our podcast down and we'll know. But it hasn't happened yet.
0: Well, and the good news is we've been using YouTube stuff that's been very old or Mm, like mm -hmm. doesn't have anything that's original content. So hopefully (laughs) <laughs> We're crossing our fingers. Fingers now. crossed. You're right, yeah. We all remember what happened to the Fempire. So <laughs> let's just hope that that doesn't happen to us. I am so excited for this tip on this. I actually had a friend who listens to our podcast say the Wendy Williams line to me this week, and it literally made my day. Ooh, she's oh, like, what Your tea is exceptional. Yeah, she's like, The tea is exceptionally <laughs> <You're 'cause> like, good. <laughs> like, I'm like, ah!
2: <laughs> Wendy Williams, I have a love hate relationship with her um, uh, because. I love to hate her. Do you know what I mean? I do.
0: Like, every time I, I see a TikTok about her. I love yeah, her. She's so ridiculous. On uh, Think Like a Man 2 when she plays Kevin Hart's like really aggressive wife.
1: I <laughs> love her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he's like got her like, he's like, like the, yeah. The I'm talking about. yeah. Don't <laughs> talk down to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: Literally. So good. Definitely worth a watch. Think Like a Man 1 and 2 are gold. Tyler
1: Perry did amazing
0: um tyler perry absolutely okay
1: do you have like are you pulling up articles specifically for this hand or no
0: something? so i'm gonna intro us
1: oh. oh
0: okay ladies and gentlemen welcome to the news desk
1: this is
0: critical it's obviously stuff that you really care about because we really care about it and if we're not the pulse of each nation that we represent who is i ask you so the megan and harry interview now I am going to do a bi-coastal intro for this, which is I am going to offer the Americans a very solid amount of time to discuss their thoughts and feelings about it after I briefly intro it. And I'm going to give you the reactions in the UK. So just to preface for anyone who is not open to it, hasn't heard about it, or lives under a rock, Meghan and Harry are the Duchess and Duke, respectively, of Sussex. They are members of the royal family because Harry was born a prince. So when Meghan married him, she married into the royal family. They originally were going to live in the UK and they ended up moving to LA because, from their perspective, they felt like they didn't have a real shot at a healthy mental status or a healthy family dynamic because of all of the media attention and scrutiny, which Harry felt was very similar to what happened to his mother. So in response to that and in response to kind of wanting to do their own charity work and their own humanitarian service rather than fulfill royal service roles, they pulled their family out of the UK and they moved to LA. They did an interview with Oprah and basically the interview was a complete tell-all. Like the whole purpose of it was to get their whole perspective out. So the the tagline that kept being thrown around was no question off limits. So the ideal was there's been a lot of speculation about what happened, why they left, who asked them to leave, did they get asked to leave? How are things with the family? And so this was their opportunity to kind of just clear the air and say everything that they needed to say. So there were a ton of sound bites from this interview because I think it was like 45 minutes long and there was just a ton of information that both uh, Megan and Harry provided. And so a lot of the initial media coverage was what they said. And then everything since has been the reaction. So over to you, U.S. What do you guys think? Uh, okay. <laughs>
1: um, I did... Go ahead. Go ahead know, <laughs> I, think, I think that you're going to know more about this than me because I, I saw it come out. I didn't watch it. I didn't care to watch it. I, I posted memes about it. And that was the extent yeah. of my commitment. So,
2: Well, let me say this. I actually was never a Meghan Markle fan, like prior to mm-hmm. her being a royal. And I'm not somebody who follows royals closely. Um, however, I am a big conspiracy theorist. And the Diana documentary um, was recently watched prior to this coming out. So I was very interested to see what she had to say. Um, I did do a deep dive. So yes, I have the knowledge because I, I did the deep dive on it, but there were a couple things about the interview that I thought were interesting, um, just to note. So, you know, there was a lot of misconception, I think. Um, and it, I think it's less of whether or not you believe Megan and what she's saying and more just about the timeline of events. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who really cares? Um, why they left you know obviously what she stated whether or not it was factual um is going to be disputed by the family because basically she claims that they're racist and nobody nobody is going to admit that they're racist but i kind of talk about this on my episode where the monarchy in general is um, very aligned with white privilege and that's something that in the US we've been talking about lately with the movements we've we've had going on. And when you have white privilege, which you know, oftentimes it's not your fault and I think that that's something really important to state, it's not your fault if you have white privilege, but it's your duty to educate yourself and do what you can do to be more inclusive and I think that is really the takeaway for me from this interview. It doesn't matter to me who said statement about her child and what his skin tone was going to be what matters more is the fact that it was said at all because that was really an opportunity for them to say hell yeah um this is us being inclusive we are now including a whole population that doesn't look like us and saying we see you we hear you we are you and instead they didn't do that and i think that was really really not shocking but upsetting um and the other big takeaway I had was about mental health because those are the two topics that mattered the most to me: mental health and inclusion. Um, with mental health, you know, I mean, you said it perfectly. Harry watched it happen to his mom, and um, Megan says in the interview that she was not quiet about it. It wasn't like she was suffering in silence the way Diana did. She told Prince Harry, like. I am literally suicidal, you know, I, I, there's, we're in lockdown, you know, people are talking about my race, my child, and I just feel like I can't do this anymore. And that was the reason why he took the steps to leave. Um, she did say that she went to the institution, not the family, the institution, and expressed that she wanted to see somebody for her mental health and get help. And they denied her access to this because it was bad PR. For me, this was shocking. A lot of people didn't think that this was shocking. This was the expected response. But to me, it really was because I don't know what's worse PR, having somebody in a mental institution to get help or having somebody die, um, which is really what it was leading to. And Mm -hmm. they should know that given what happened with Diana. I mean, that was so long ago and we're still talking about it. There still is kind of like a bad lens on the family because of what happened there. And, you know, at the end of my deep dive, I say that whether or not you believe what Megan's saying, this is iconic because she's doing something that Princess Diana never got the opportunity to, which Mm -hmm. was say how she felt. And maybe if we had that from Princess Diana, we would have had a whole different outcome. Maybe she'd still be around. You know, people blame Meghan for Harry leaving royalty, and I don't think that they should. He was always kind of the rebel prince. Yeah. You know, he really was. So that he, she was just his escape. He, she was just the way out for him. And I, I do think it's important to know, I can't speak from the UK side, but they tried to do their best. They moved to Canada um, to kind of still be in British territory so they could still do their work as philanthropists and humanitarians and that didn't work out for them because their location was exposed and they were going into lockdown so they moved to the U.S. and speaking of Tyler Perry he actually hosted them he paid for their security he paid he allowed them to stay in his house until they kind of found something more stable which they have now and Oprah talks about that with them but You can think Megan's lying. You can think she's telling the truth. But at the end of the day, facts that come from Harry's mouth are that he has been denied security. He's been denied money, which was his privilege as somebody being born into the family. His title's been revoked. His child's title has been revoked. So whether or not you agree with her, you really have to kind of look at what's going on from his perspective. And even from their perspective, they're not denying that they've revoked these things from him. So is blood thicker than the the fame of it all really and it doesn't seem like it is
0: Emma do you have anything else before I
2: jump
1: Mm -hmm. into mine well I will say that I have a friend in the UK that exists outside of Hannah which is shocking I know um but (laughs) uh who is very defensive of the royal family and I can understand it you know like uh, there are people who are patriotic for the sake of it and um I think that it just it it comes down to a willful ignorance about things that are going on internally in whatever system that you're in, whether that be the royal family, the institution, American politics, what have you. Um, I think it's your duty as the citizen to really consider outside perspectives and maybe face some hard truths. You know, maybe there is racism. Maybe you don't think that comment is a big deal, but the skin tone of a child should never be... Even a question. I can't understand. That's a child. That's all it is to you. It's a child. And so, for that to even be (laughs) a question you ask is inherently racist to me. And I will never feel any other way about it. So, that's how I feel.
0: I will say I'm going to try to give what I would consider a balanced perspective. So, some of the opinions that I'm going to give are just reactions from here. They're not necessarily my opinions. My opinion, before I go too much into it, like I said, is. I think that there are both on both sides, family members that have been hurt by other family members that feel very, that feel very exposed, that they feel like they could have dealt with this as a family. And now it's all out there, whichever side of this you're talking about, because there are things that. Harry said that he wished he could have just dealt with with the family and there are things that now the family is saying I wish I could have just dealt with it internally so I think what you're seeing is family breakdown on display and as much as the media circus is really entertained by it I think it's sad like I think it's super sad that this couldn't have been a conversation but instead now it's it's this is the statement this is a statement this is a statement this is a statement instead of just sitting down together and acting like a family and, and really hashing stuff out I, I am not anti-Megan. I liked her. Everybody says I liked her on Suits, but I did. I I did like her. I liked her
1: on Deal or No Deal when she was one of the briefcase models.
0: I (laughs) didn't know that until I watched Suits and I was like, whoa. Uh, So, I mean, I, I don't have a positive or negative opinion about her in terms of, like, I think it's great that she and Harry met and they hit it off and they had such a connection that they immediately started dating and then they got married. Like, I think that's a beautiful story. So... I have no I have no feelings about her being an actress and pursuing a prince because I mean if you love someone you love someone like fair enough. I will say I think she was very underprepared for what a seat in the monarchy would mean for her and would mean in general. I think because she had so much history of public service and because she was such a philanthropist, I think she was probably making it a smaller mountain in her head to kind of keep climbing. And I don't think she ever fully publicly appreciated, maybe she did privately, but publicly, it didn't seem that it clicked for her. Like this is entirely different than anything I've ever had to do before. And so that would be the only thing I would say is I I don't think she was prepared. I don't think she was ready to do what she had to do. And now I'll get into the UK perspective. So Obviously, there are people here who really liked the interview, who thought it was really good. There are a lot of people here who were—they they did not like the interview. There were no favors done to Harry and Meghan by providing that content. And I think some of it is that it, there's something about British culture that's entirely different from American culture, that it's not something that is just a quick switch. It's if you deal with something, you deal with it privately. And that's a cultural standard. That's not just you know, it, it is a it is a white predominant standard, but it's it's a cultural standard in Britain, like the stiff upper lip, the keep calm and carry on. That's where all of it came from is you were meant to deal with things at home in the home. And anything in public was meant to be a common united front. And that serves for personal life and for public like service life. So when people started writing news articles about the royal family. And I think the crown captures this really well. You can see the amount of difficulty that they had with it, trying to balance, this is my personal life, but this is my public life. And now I'm letting people into my personal life, but my public life is already so much on display. And there was a huge controversy back and forth all the way through the Diana era, which you see even more media attention, even more media scrutiny starting to jump into it. And their whole core philosophy as a royal family is duty before self. They look at this job as the most important thing. Like Elizabeth has made several statements and has said in several speeches, I have to do this for the crown. It's not about what I want or what my family needs or what is best for our family. It's about what's best for the country and what's best for the crown. And they have consistently chosen that. So it's not surprising to me that they would continue that pattern of behavior in a situation where another Diana, a second woman comes in who was underprepared for the scrutiny of royal life. And it's not shocking to me that that didn't phase them and that they remained in the same pattern of behavior. I think the one thing that most people here are responding to really negatively is that they felt that the interview with Megan was very prepared. There were a lot of pauses that she took and a lot of her statements, the way that she delivered them felt rehearsed. I personally would not be shocked if she did practice them because this is a lot of pressure to communicate this effectively. And especially if you are someone who publicly speaks, you definitely prepare in advance. You're not just like, in the moment, I'll think about it and I'll answer it. So it makes total sense to me. But people felt that there was a lot of, they would call it money grabbing, where Harry was saying, poor little rich boy, like, I don't have any money. When when he left, their whole statement was, We're not taking public funds, we're stepping back from royal life. And so then it felt like a reversal to the British public when they were then like, Oh, we don't have any money for security, we don't have any of our income that is promised because it feels like a flop but i think what harry was referring to was his like trust fund money that's his family's personal money and not public funds but it, they didn't specify that and so a lot of the british public reacted really negatively and because the monarchy is an institution here i mean i love the monarchy i i really do i am a huge fan of the royal family i am not a huge fan of everything they do i'm not a huge fan of every member but I am a huge fan of the royal family because I think it's something that's really beautiful. I think that very often the modern worlds tried the modern world tries to like sweep history under the rug and move on to the next, next, next. And I think it's beautiful to try and incorporate history into the present. I think you have to do that knowing that change is important and change is not only helpful, but also really valuable. And it is about inclusion and it is about changing what was but i think there's a respect for it that monarchy has that a lot of other forms of government kind of just dismiss because they like especially with democracy there's this whole presumption that there's not an elite group like there isn't a monarchy but there totally is like there is and instead of putting that in a box and trying to draw a border around it we're like oh everybody's equal except we're not so i i really like the monarchy i'm a huge queen elizabeth fan I have one of the things on my desk is actually one of the little like pop dolls, the Queen Elizabeth II. So. Um, but that that's a lot of the reaction here is they feel like you're violating their family. They feel like if Emma, your sister and you got into a huge fight and then she went on the local news and talked about it. Like it, it feels like a betrayal of trust for a lot of the British public because the royal family stance for years has been don't say, don't discuss Mm -hmm. don't comment and so the the following statements that have been issued by the royal family they had to say something but typically if news articles came out you're just supposed to read it and weep and move on you were not supposed to comment unless it was to the huge detriment of the family that they had to say something Mm
1: -hmm. but you but you know i guess i have to wonder like shouldn't there be new considerations considering that history will tend to repeat itself. And we saw the debacle that was Diana and, you know, she's the people's princess. Of course, you know, the reaction to her death would probably have been much different than if Meghan Markle were to have passed, you know, just all things considered, but the point stands in that the Royal family didn't handle it properly then in American perspective, at least, and maybe in much of British perspective, but I think they would even say that.
0: And I think they have gone to an inch or two, to say that i don't think gone- well, i
2: think what we have to keep in mind really is that the royal family and the institution are two different things and i think that's what harry really was trying to convey during this interview you know they are in a sense one in the same just as the royal family protects the crown as you're saying and that's tr- true but a lot of the statements a lot of all of that it's it's um you know it's it's similar to being a president and an A-list celebrity all in one. And, you know, I want to say that Donald Trump is a good comparison in the I know in the worst way, but it is true because he people really were blinded by a lot of things he did because they liked him as a celebrity and he was the president. You know, so and 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 they chalked a lot of it up to the institution and not him as a person. Now in America, it's a little bit different, and especially with him because we all know, whether you're a supporter of his or not, that much of what he said during his presidency was not prepared. You know, it, it was very rare yeah. that he actually read off It was teleporter. very of the moment. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and that's not, yeah. that's the total opposite of what the family will do. But in a given situation, you know, outside of that, it, it is similar. And I think, I'm sure that there are conversations that have taken place outside of the public, even with what Megan was saying, if the Kate story is true, that Kate made her cry, she apologized, she got her flowers, like they're handling it within the family. Um, You know, and I think I disagree with the, with the sentiment that she was pausing because she was prepared simply because I respect Oprah as a journalist and Oprah starts the interview off saying, I want to make it very clear that I've not prepped her with any of these questions. So I don't know that she can practice this in the sense of knowing what the questions are maybe knowing how to word what she wants to say is a little different um but I do think that she wants to protect Harry and Harry although he no longer has a title it's ingrained in him to protect the crown which is why when they speak they pause there is dead air often in that interview because I think he's just scared you know at the end of the day I think he wants to be part of his family again, maybe not the institution, but he wants to have the relationship with his father and his brother. Mm -hmm. And he knows that the way he responds in this interview can kind of create an environment where that's no longer possible. Mm -hmm. So I think he really tried to try to prevent that from happening. Um, And, and yeah, I I think, I I think it's hard as Americans because we aren't, that that's not our family it's not our royalty we just like the drama of it truthfully mm-hmm.
1: um, I also think it's normal in a situation where you're uncomfortable or nervous to someone will prep if, I, if I'm going to a situation like that I probably have someone being like take deep breaths pause mm-hmm. instead of stumbling over your words like that is not a thing that's out of the realm of possibility so for people to automatically draw yeah. to she was prepped maybe she's just trying to maintain decorum and speak properly rather than you know ramble like it's to pause is better than to say an um in a situation like that yeah. because people will automatically say like oh well you weren't being serious like she can't win either way so mm. the, the pause and, makes and sense like
0: i said i would just like to reiterate because i spoke a lot those are the reactions here yeah. that don't necessarily reflect all of my opinions or any of my opinions um But that's that's the reality of the situation here, and and the truth of the matter is they they do have a much different reaction to it than the states, especially because here there are a lot more regulatory laws about what the media can and can't cover, and so I think people see that in general and think that it is more protective than it is, because there are a lot more regulatory laws about the royal family here and they do have a giant bureaucracy to respond to these things because they're constantly in the news and it's their job to be. Um, but like, it's, it's just a different, it's a different system. It's a different ethos than is in the States. And I think you really see, I really think you see the difference between the two cultures and the way that people react to this interview, because I would say, I don't know too many Americans who thought anything except for, cool. Good for you, Megan and Harry. Like, I love that you're telling us all of this. And the Brits for the most part are like, I can't believe you're talking about this. This is such an invasion of privacy. Like, I can't believe you're spilling all this tea about your family. That's so disrespectful. Blah blah blah.
2: Well, in a lot of ways, actually this, this interview and this situation is similar to Brittany, because if, this is what happens when you intertwine family and business. I mean, that's what happened with her and people are as protective on both sides of the situation as they are with with this interview. You know what I mean? And people are thinking the same thing. I can't believe you'd expose this much about the family or about this person. And at the end of the day, it's like, are you looking at it like family or are you looking at it like business and drama? Mm -hmm. I mean, either perspective. And it's just messy. So avoid it at all costs Mm because- Twice now we've seen that it doesn't work.
1: What a great segue into a person we can all rally behind, which is Britney Spears. I mean, she is iconic. She's worldwide. She's Britney, bitch. And I'm not afraid to curse. (laughs) I'll say it
0: in the hope of someday getting sponsors my dream is to be the one that they're like you know what this podcast has hope they aren't always gonna swear
1: we never swear in our fake ads i would just like to point out so.
2: i'll say this my podcast is explicit and i have sponsors so i don't know that that's necessarily
1: ah, the thing go. that holds them back i'm just yeah.
0: got hope now
1: <laughs> yeah, but you can have hope um, i really will say. be you Uh, And I will thank you. I will drink that tea. I will abide by that tea. Um, I will say I don't have a ton of knowledge in this particular topic. Uh, I did not watch the documentary. I um, I watched her movies movie (laughs) growing up. You know, Um, I listened to "Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman." God knows how many times in junior high. So
0: her current soundtrack to her love life is toxic Mm -hmm. so truly that's that's not going anywhere but I will say so I listened to Meg's episode on the Britney series and if you have the time really go listen to it because it's a great like you did a great deep dive of thank you this is this is generally what the documentary talked about these are the issues and you weren't necessarily like this is how I feel about it so I'd love you to take this space to just like really give everybody on the team this is what the Britney situation is, but also this is how I feel about it. Because I know for yours, you wanted to give an unbiased perspective.
2: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of moving parts in the Britney situation, which is why that deep dive was kind of unbiased. My interview with Megan and Harry one was very much me giving my opinion and, and recapping. Yeah. Um, but with Britney, I mean, I think what, what becomes difficult is that there's a lot of law involved. There's a lot of, um, you know, with, with a conservatorship, it's so new and it and it's new to many people because we don't see this with young people. Often we see it normally with old people, older people who might have some type of um, disability and can't care for themselves and having one of the most iconic pop culture people in, in this situation and getting away with it is what is crazy. So how did that happen? You know, that's kind of what I wanted to, to cover on my deep dive is how did we get here? And, Basically, I'm not going to be the dead horse. I'm sure by now, many people at least have a kind of understanding of what's going on with Brittany, but you know, she wasn't close to her dad growing up. And then a few things happened with her career. She really took off. She was over-sexualized. It was during the time of boy bands and she was dating Justin Timberlake and he exploited her for cheating on him and really use that to his advantage to get more famous. Um, But she's iconic, not because of her voice or her looks. she's iconic because she did something that nobody else was doing. And that was being a solo female performer in the time of boy bands and really making it. And, um, you know, so she dated him and then she kind of gave this this press interview where she said, really, my goal isn't even to be famous or to be a singer, I wanna be a mom. I wanna be a wife. I want to have that normal life. Um, and that's when Kevin Federline came into the picture and they got married. They had kids. So much um, denim. Quickly. I know denim on denim, but honestly, I'm here for that. That's a trend that's coming. I out. love a Canadian tuxedo. Thank you. <laughs> right. Um, so yes, they had kids and quickly after they split. And unfortunately, I think that was the start of her demise because that was her dream and it, and it got taken away from her. And Kevin you know I don't want to say he's to blame he's not but you know he there were situations where he wasn't allowing her to see her children and that's really what made her snap you know it was the pressure of the media over sexualizing her wanting more from her and the thing that made her happy wasn't there which was the ability to see her kids and have that traditional family um and that's kind of where where it all goes downhill for Brittany she was put into an institution um she shaved her head she took some ugly uh paparazzi pictures of her beating a car um and i really encourage you to, to listen to the deep diver watch the documentary because you do get a better perspective on why those things happen it's mm-hmm. not what it looks like you know she was struggling and had all the right to be struggling and um I think a lot of women, especially now, can relate to why she shaved her head. We think of that as such a crazy Britney moment, but she basically was like, people were touching my hair. Paparazzi was touching my hair, and I told them to stop, and they wouldn't, so I shaved my head so they couldn't touch me. And it was really a statement for female empowerment, which I think we all kind of need to, to hear and to understand now. But when she was put in a hospital, she was put under a conservatorship of her father and it was supposed to be temporary, meaning he had rights over her person and over her finances. This was again, supposed to be temporary, but for some reason, he just kind of weaseled his way into making it extended, even though she was completely capable once she got out of the hospital. So Brittany filed to have a bank be her conservator of her money um, and him to be taken off completely because she was capable for, for her person um, and that's that's where the story stands. So trial is still ongoing as to what's going to happen. The, the trial actually did allow a bank to come in as a co-conservator. So now it's her father and her uh, bank that she chose. And she's getting more freedoms um, of her person. The goal would be to have the bank be the sole conservator and her father to be gone. However, if you know anything about conservatorships or if you've seen the Netflix show, I Care A Lot, which is about conservatorships, it is almost impossible to overturn one. It is almost impossible. And even in the documentary, you hear lawyers saying, I've never seen it done. So Brittany, it seems like she's come to terms with the fact that she's always going to be the secondhand man when it comes to her money. And I don't think she really cares as long as it's not her dad because he profits a lot off of her. And again, just the callback to go watch it, you'll see why it's money motivated because since he's profiting as her conservator, he's overworking her. You know, he's making her do Vegas shows and tour and do all the stuff that she's not mentally capable of doing because he wants the profit. Um, My personal opinion on this is that no person uh, should ever have the right over another human Um, and I think that, I think that this was a failure of the system because people should have seen that she was capable of managing herself before he was appointed. I think if somebody is appointed, it should never be a family member. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, I think the movement is important and people should really be on board with it. I loved Brittany. She's a pop culture icon, but I wasn't privy to this, you know, this movement. I wasn't part of it. And now I definitely am. Now I will pick it. I will riot with them because it's ridiculous what's going on with her. And mm-hmm. um there's a really good podcast. I can't think of the name, but they talk about it in the documentary, like breaking down Brittany's tweets or something. Something like that. Yeah. Where they just talk about the whole podcast is them talking about what she's posting on Instagram. And they actually started the movement. Um they they theorized that she was in an institution against her will and somebody was managing her social media accounts. And then they received an uh, anonymous caller saying, yes, that's the truth. And I I work for her team. And that is the truth. She's in the hospital right now against her will. And it's somebody else managing her account. They leaked the voicemail. And that is where the documentary starts and where it stops, uh, because that's kind of what sparked this movement. There was proof that there was illegal doings, I guess you could say, um, inhumane doings. And, you know, I think anybody who's institutionalized against their will should, should get a riot for them. You know, they should get people protesting to have
0: them freed. I, when I studied, um, my master's is in psychology. So one of the things that we looked at was the mental hygiene movement, which sounds really weird, but it's basically, Asylums and the end of asylums, and why people stopped creating them and funding them. And it's mostly because if you are in a, you would call it an incapacitated state. So if you're not physically able to care for yourself, you do have to have medical care and you do have to have supervision because you would be a, a risk to yourself in the same way that an older person needs to be in assisted living who cannot be alone. you know. They need a nurse or they need, they need assistance. Um, but there was a huge practice, especially during like the mid 1800s and early 1900s of just throwing people in asylums that they didn't want to deal with. And the biggest reason that the asylum structure ended was because people were profiting essentially off of, it's like the prison system, people were profiting off of holding people there. And then eventually doctors kept coming forward and saying, this is not curative. This is not helpful for people who need sustained care. They need breathing space. They need rehab facilities. They need buildings where they can live, but they shouldn't be in a ward that is like locked and and in a jail cell, basically. And so, you know, you see things like inpatient hospitals that are built where people who have long-term disabilities or people who are mentally unstable can go. And it's more like a rehab center than it is like a prison, what it used to be. But that that was literally what people did is, oh, well, she's crazy. Boom, put her in there. And it's against your will. You don't have a way to sign yourself out. A lot of it's similar to uh, Girl Interrupted. If you've seen girl interrupted it's it's a really good film but it's a great depiction of there are some girls in there who've checked themselves in but there are quite a few who yeah they could be okay but staying in this environment is almost making them worse yeah and the doctors are fully on board with keeping them there because the more patients the more money so anyway uh just as an aside the the whole keeping her in a hospital against her will thing. It is, it's a thing that's been done. And it, I mean, obviously it's been done before the mid 1800s, but it got especially popular during the 1800s of like, just shove them out of sight and put them in this home. And I think the biggest thing about the Brittany situation is you've not heard from her about how she feels. And it is very fair that there are people who are literally mentally incapacitated who could be like, I'm fine. And they're not fine. But you have, from what I gathered, you've no scientific evidentiary proof that she's incapacitated. You can absolutely say she should not be touring because she, I would guess has at least an anxiety disorder and she definitely can't handle that kind of a workload because if you see the paparazzi pressure and the way that she responds to it, it, it's not a normal, it's not a normal situation to put someone in. So it's going to cause trauma. But aside from that, the number, and you guys are true crime people, so you'll know this more than I will, but the number of people who've committed some sort of violence because they were denied access to their children, it's a maternal biological instinct that kicks in that it doesn 't necessarily make sense that 's why people call it like Mama Bear syndrome, but you if you 're denied access to your children and you 're not harming them, you know oh okay, like if you 're putting them in any sort of danger, very fair, but if you 're not harming them and you know that you 're not in a danger to them, that urge to get toward them and to be with them it it would psychologically overpower a lot of your other instincts, and so it would make sense to me that she would beat a car like. But how,
2: how I I just, I think for me at the end of the day, really what it comes down to is how did it get through the system that she was capable of touring, of performing, Mm -hmm. of having a Vegas residency, a long-term high paying contract to show up every night and put on a huge show and yet the courts didn't find her capable of being in charge of her own person. That to me does not make any sense it's wild. or, or to see her children.
1: Mm-hmm. Her so you'll you'll let her see 20,000 strangers, but you can't grant exactly. her, to her kids. It's crazy. And not
2: even that, but the person who was in charge of the visitation rights was her father So to me, the system is corrupt there because the person who's profiting off of her also is the person who gets to say whether or not she sees her children. It's blackmail. That's all that it. It 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 absolutely is. is. You perform for me, even though you're telling me you're not mentally capable of doing that. And I make the profit and then I'll let you see your kids. And that's exactly what happened. And it shows you in the documentary, you know, he said, she fights him over the conservatorship saying, nope, I don't want you. And then basically he says, how about this? I'm your conservator. We do an MTV show that follows you around, literally the most invasive type of show where they never leave your side reality TV style. And then I'll give you visitation rights. And suddenly she signs the papers. And that is blackmail because if she didn't 100%. think that she was going to see her children, she never would have signed those papers or allowed the conservatorship. And oh, I don't oh. think, oh,
1: Sorry, um, we have a tiny dog next door and sometimes Lorelei hears. Lorelei has entered the chat is what Emma likes to say. <laughs> and now she's exited because you did, you did a good job, but like, shut up, so.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your input. Now, um, I, I just, I think at the end of the day, you know, for me, the most impactful thing about this documentary, the conspiracy that I took from it and ran with as a true crime and conspiracy theorist, you know, you said, You said, Hannah, we haven't really heard from Brittany. I don't know if I agree with that, because if you listen to my deep dive, the way that I end it is with the conspiracy taking over TikTok, which is prior to the documentary coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brittany said uh, she put a ton of stuff on social saying, can't wait for Project Rose for you guys to see it. It's a personal project. And I'm so excited to express myself. And then we see in this documentary that every single person interviewed, every single shot is with roses. They're sitting in front of a wall of roses or the Britney movement has roses. Everybody's throwing roses everywhere. To me, is it conspiracy or coincidence? I'm going to say it's just fact. I mean, it's too much. It's too much of a coincidence. No,
0: I meant so... If you're in a court situation where you're proving mental competency, it would be absurd for you not to have a closed door interview with that subject, with a psychiatrist in the room who's asking them questions. And obviously the the implication is that she would fear loss of access to her kids if she didn't answer correctly. So you have to take that sort of Damocles off the table. You have to take that threat away. And then I like, that's what we haven't heard is that authentic, are you okay? What's going on? Like, I don't think we would hear it publicly, but I don't think anybody's had that, or if they have, it's been silenced. But that interaction with her where there's no pressure, she knows she can speak freely, there's absolutely no danger to her person. How are you?
2: She said, I see you, I hear you, I appreciate you. That's what she said about the movement. When the movement was taking off, part of the documentary is her saying, acknowledging that it's... Existing and appreciating it. If you if there was no threat to you, you would be telling your be like, your fans and the people. Yeah, you'd be
0: saying, "I'm okay." You'd be she filming the does. creepy Howie Mandel movies, like I'm doing fun in lockdown, like dancing around his living room. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, people thought he was. For anybody who doesn't know, people thought he was like being held against his will or that he was somehow kidnapped because he kept tweeting really cryptic stuff and i think he's just gone cuckoo from all the hand sanitizer because he's like Rolo city but he like took these videos and posted them to the internet like dancing and he's like look how free and fine i am (laughs) he's like you need to look them up they're really good (laughs) but it was like a whole conspiracy theory of like oh howie mandel's being held in his home against his will and he's like I'm fine.
1: (laughs) Like, it's so weird. I think that, probably not for this podcast, but maybe in a future episode, it could be a conversation that you don't see this in Hollywood happen with men. Like, I can't think of a single moment where a man is considered so unable to be his own person that someone external to him has to control his entire life. Well,
0: you shouldn't see this unless you are dealing with someone who has like Alzheimer's or someone who is completely mentally incapacitated, like psychologically they've done evaluative tests. So you shouldn't see this with anybody because what what's being described here is indentured servitude. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you are an indentured servant until you meet the conditions that you were purchased with.
1: I just think I don't think I I would just suspect and I I'm this is all just, you know, I'm just you know talking out of my ass here basically. Like I because I, I, I have an authority. But um, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, based off of the, the trend in Hollywood and the double standards and how we see men versus women being treated and the scope of fame, I just can't imagine this happening to someone like, I don't know, who's a who's a comparable singer? Justin Timberlake. I don't know. Like, you think this would happen to him? Probably not. No, it doesn't happen to him.
2: No, and she talks about that. I mean, Jesus, like, that you have to watch it because there are – interview bites that they show from her when she was really taking off and doing the baby um music video where male interviewers are asking her about her boobs like can you Im- can you imagine no if Sync was sitting there and they were like so your pants are pretty tight and we can see your dick bulge like what it just would never and- happen and they, are all, they were all talented performers, and that's what you're interviewing me about.
0: But it's the same thing that you see, I, and I think to Emma's point, it's the same thing that you see now. It's usually women who step away from Hollywood and say, I couldn't handle the paparazzi. I couldn't handle the pressure. There was too much. Like, I know that people are camped outside Leo's house, but it's not that bad. Like, I, I really think, um, and you actually get like a little insight into what a guy would do in this situation from the Scott Disick situation, because- mm-hmm. He, I'm a Kardashians fan. I love reality TV of all flavors, but he was talking about when he was in like the end of quarantine and starting to come out, he went to Malibu to get some space to get some like mental clarity. And he thought that it was going to be like a safe space for he and his friends to be. And there were paparazzi there, but there were genuinely like less than 10 and they were there pretty like consistently, but not 50 people touching you. Like they were just on the beach yelling and I'm
2: sure that it's difficult. I don't want to downplay that because I'm sure it's mentally taxing, but it is very, it's very similar to the Megan Harry thing because it's like, you know, you, you wanted this life and, and there are things that come with it that you, you can't pick and choose. You know what I mean? It's unfortunate. I wish people could, but without the paparazzi, there wouldn't be pictures of you without pictures of you and E and in Variety and in Vanity Fair, we wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't be famous. So yeah. really it is a hand in hand, you know, kind of thing. And there are things that are going to happen, just like the pictures of Brittany driving with her baby on her lap, where people gave her backlash and said, you're a bad mother. I mean, that's unfortunate. And that really sucks that they captured you at that moment. But like, there are a lot of moments that they captured you doing positive things that made you money. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just a hard balance, I think, at the end of the day. And you know, paparazzi, they have to have um, respect. And if paparazzi are respectful, then I think there's not a lot that can be said on behalf of. of
0: Yeah, I think I think it's just the scale and the scope, because it's very different to have 10 people within a mile of where you're staying versus 50 people on your driveway crowding like you Can't you move your
1: car you feel t- justified in you in touching yeah. you that blows my mind like i wouldn't yeah. let any stranger touch me without lashing out but of course you lash out and oh, oh now you're this crazy celebrity woman like oh look how nuts she is whereas like a man strikes out at a paparazzi who's trying to touch a woman and he's a hero like well Gigi hadid's a
2: uh, uh, paparazzi grabbed her and she punched him in the face. Yeah, I know what I, mean. <laughs> I was like iconic.
1: I support this. Like a don't appropriate touch. response. Don't yeah. Touch. That's the moral of the story is don't touch.
2: I do think it is the celebrity's responsibility a little bit to set boundaries and I do think 100%. It's, it's capable of being done. Like you 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 look at people like Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, both huge celebrities. Let me tell you what we don't see is pictures of their kids. Because they've made it very clear to the paparazzi that follow them that if they see their kid's face in a magazine or if, they, if their kid's also. face gets sold for profit, that it's going to be a problem, yeah. you know? And so paparazzi respect that because they say, they basically say, going back to the Meghan Harry thing, it's like, we chose this life, but our kids did not. And you have to respect that. Mm-hmm. And, and they do, as long as the paparazzi is getting what they want too, which is photos of Ashton and Mila you know?
0: Yeah. And I think part of it is how much are you willing to pay for fame? And I think the other part of it is humans respecting humans. And if you know that the group that you're with is pushing too far, or like, if you know that the image that you're going to sell is going to ruin someone's life, like do take a minute and think about it. Like there's a huge difference between like a nip slip and like you capture someone in a moment where they're feeding their kid ice cream on their driver's seat and they're like driving in the car. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't well, yeah, Brittany's situation. As but
2: viewers, we need to keep in things in perspective that we are seeing yeah. pictures with no context. I mean, that yeah. picture of her beating that car had no context. And I'm yeah. sure if the caption was Brittany had been denied visitation to her children three times now and I wouldn't leave her alone and I was flashing pictures in her face and then she got out and beat my car we'd feel a little bit dimmer. we'd be like
0: yeah what yeah, you guys I, just I would said like of course she punched car. her in the face like
2: exactly like we we would sympathize and relate but we don't humanize the the victim and you know in the I I again just want to finish my spiel by saying that even after listening to this episode, even after listening to my deep dive, I still encourage people to go watch it, you know, Mm -hmm. with their own eyes, go see the documentary because everything we're saying is so true. And it's so sickening to watch the people who posted those uh, or shared those images in magazines or took those images, talk about them because they really Mm -hmm. don't have sympathy. They don't have empathy for her at all pictures of her, paparazzi pictures of her were being sold for up to a million dollars. That picture that they took of her beating the car was the highest paid picture that they took, which is why they sold it. And they talked to the magazine editor who allowed the picture to go up and he said, We just wanted people to relate. Who relates to that? You didn't humanize her at all. Nobody relates. You wanted money and clout. You wanted your magazine to sell out. You know, so I, I just encourage people to watch that because there is a dark side to fame. And even when you choose it, I think sometimes it can get out of your control. Yep. You know, what, what would you have done? I would
1: have you know? beat the guy with the bat personally. I, I mean, am a non-confrontational
0: person, but the every human has a cracking point. Yeah. And I, I agree with what you said hundred percent. I think, I think you have to weigh the cost, costs of fame and I think you also have to remember how fleeting it is and and a lot of people sacrifice a lot for fame and then they look back at these ruined lives that they've had and they're like what was this for um so on that cheery note um Meg (laughs) where can people go for more content from you because obviously once they listen to this episode they're going to be addicted so
2: yeah, sure. So to find me, it's just Meg in the Morning on any streaming platform. And I also do video versions of my interviews with all my guests. Those go up on IGTV. You can find me at Meg in the Morning Podcast. And if you ever want me to cover anything specific, feel free to DM me because I'm always open to suggestions. But I'm very pop culture current news based. That's my genre.
0: Her niche, some would say. Yeah. Some As
2: would say my niche.
0: Well, we've loved having you. You're obviously welcome back anytime. You're part of the team now. So <laughs> thank you,
2: even though I'm on the same continent.
0: So, yeah, you keep
2: the it's name, right.
0: it's still transcontinental, it still yeah. works. Still my <laughs> name and I'll just hang around
2: sometimes. <laughs> We're
0: actually looking to expand to South America. So, if you could move, it would actually make it oh. so much easier
1: for us. you <laughs> <We'll, we'll laughs> see tomorrow.
2: We'll see how it's going. We'll see how it's going. If I can't make it here, then I'm going to have to leave have to go
0: go be a llama herder in peru so that's the backup plan maybe (laughs) it
2: is maybe it is for me
0: Llamas are cool i'll consider it (laughs) and on that note i'm hannah i am emma what's the take